2: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's already known for cracking jokes. It's Sif Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly streaming live. Most Saturday mornings are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Your favorite, so brave? I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he gets worked up and then just kind of wings it. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else in the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's way too young to be this mean. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Woo. hello. How, How are you, we? Good to see you. How I are blood. you? How are you doing?
3: I'm good. Uh, I've been, uh, been working a lot this week, so I'm a little tired, but... Um yeah, no, always excited to chat movies with you fellas. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting we got a couple of good eclectic picks this week.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting week. Like, I, I go back and forth, right? Like, there's part of me that's like, oh, well, there's not really like a big release this week. That's kind well, of a bummer. We had two
3: hundred million dollar openers the last two weeks with Lightyear and then uh, the Minion. Not Lightyear, I'm sorry. Minions, Minions and, and Thor. Thor, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, people kind of get out of the way of you know, Marvel movies, you know, the week after Marvel movie comes out is is often down like this. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. We don't have a big movie to talk about. But then I'm like, but it's kind of fun to kind of reach back at some stuff. Maybe we missed some, you know, things that are happening and just try to think, you know, what are people, what might people be interested in that they don't know is out there? Um and uh and so yeah, we're going to talk about the Sea Beast on Netflix, which has been out for a little bit, but is kind of bubbling under the surface, I I think, so to I speak. I
3: think that was actually I think it just came out just oh like did three it days
2: ago. yeah, yeah well, I thought it, I thought it's been out two weeks I I,
3: I could if be totally it wrong
4: wasn't, I, no I remember came out last week last week yeah. okay okay. Yeah.
2: So, uh, so yeah, so we'll talk about the Sea Beast uh, and then, uh, yeah, South Park, the Streaming Wars, which is a two-part South Park special where the second part just came out uh, this week um, on Paramount Plus and kind of uh, bring those to your attention. And then I have a third movie that came out this week that I'll talk about in my Buried Treasure uh, as well. Um, so just a little uh, kind of uh a tease, a little bit of a tease for you on okay, that. Then. Uh, we've also got a really fun best ever challenge this week. We're doing best ever C movies. These are movies this was fun. with the word, well, with the letters S E A in order in them. Um, so yeah. it doesn't technically have to be the word C, but as long as uh, S E and a, uh, you know, are next to each other, even through spaces, even if, you know, if pop my spaces. Text
3: filter is accurate, there was only one movie that was S E space a.
5: Mm. Of like the
3: five thousand, bo- I didn't pick it because it wasn't that good. But th- I'm like, oh, I can add a space to the middle of this word. Does that open <laughs> up the possibilities? Like, no, it really doesn't. But.
2: <laughs> we'll see. I think we're gonna be we're gonna have some fun with this one. Um yeah, So y- get it. That was actually an unintended pun, guys. We'll see. We will. See,
4: uh, oh boy. Let's start
2: and early here. Let's get into it uh, with our review of How to Train Your Kraken. I'm sorry, the sea beast.
5: <laughs>
1: we'll be off to kill a monster. Oh. You stowed away.
4: I. Yeah.
1: No, I like this kid. We're dropping you off at the nearest port. Hunting ship ain't no place for a kid.
4: But you joined the ship when you were my age. Hold on, Daisy! And look at you now. That's not the same thing.
5: Isn't it? No.
2: The life of a legendary sea monster hunter is turned upside down when a young girl stows away on his uh, ship. Uh, the Sea Beast is on Netflix, stars... Carl Urban as Jacob Holland. Jared Harris as Captain Crow. Dan Stevens as Admiral Hornigold. uh, And several uh, others uh, that you may or may not know. Um, What did you guys think of The Sea Beast? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? John, start us off.
3: I I think bolstered by having watched it with my four-year-old, really liked this one.
2: All right. Andrew. I'll go low
4: side of liked it
2: low side of liked it all right i'm with john and the high side of liked it i i'm almost tiptoeing into loved it there's there's a yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff in this movie um i think there's there's a a reason that it is uh, at 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and when I look at that, uh, know that I don't see that as a percentage of quality, but it is a percentage of, it's hard to come away from this movie and not go, yeah, I like that. Like There are very few people I can imagine watching this and going, oh, that was a terrible experience. I hated that. I didn't enjoy it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like It's one of those movies where it's just like, you can throw it on whoever's around, and they'll go, oh, that was fun, and I think this is uh, uh, Chris Williams. Uh, Directing it, um, who I think did Big Hero Six? Is that right?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, He did a Big Hero Six, Frozen, Moana, Bolt. So you know the the story is story arc, but uh, the Big Hero Six is his big thing.
2: Yeah, and Big Hero Six is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, and I think that sense of humor is here, that fun is here. There's, and you
4: joked about the the
3: parallels to how to train your dragon yes that's a anytime you can compare to that movie you're also doing pretty well yes fantastic uh, dare i say modern classic of the animation
2: yeah no i totally agree and those parallels are are pretty intense sometimes too like the the main monster in this really looks like toothless in a lot it's like a swimming toothless basically um 100% um, Yeah. so it's it's really interesting (laughs) um but yeah so i i really really enjoyed it um I think the animation style is, you know, uh, there's nothing necessarily spectacular about the style, but the visuals themselves are really cool and really gorgeous. So there's some oh, yeah. some really neat moments um from above, seeing things under the water. Uh I'm just I'm just really impressed with what we can I do with this kind of animation. Um,
3: I appreciated how clean the animation was. Like the colors mm-hmm. were really sharp. There was good contrast like the big red monster against like the dark blue sea you've got a lot of really uh, if a movie works in black and white i think that's always usually a compliment and a lot of animated movies do not sort of pass that test where it would just be a washed out mess of so many different colors that is just sort of too hyperkinetic this i felt was was cleaner the shots were a little longer and i know especially again as, as a dad of kids uh young kids how important it is not to have their brains melt when they watch something like Minions, where it's just like, there's there's mm-hmm. too many things happening on every single frame. Mm. This felt a little slower, a little easier to watch and to process. You could see the faces, you could see the emotions. And I know for a four-year-old, that stuff is important. And I, I enjoyed uh, watching her watch this because she was like getting really scared at, at the right moments. And she was laughing at the right moments. And Sometimes we'll watch age appropriate material and it's like, this is clearly not connecting with her. It's like, they never even screen this for kids. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I and I love that one. When I can find a good movie, the two of us can share together. Uh, and this definitely fit the bill.
4: Andrew, some thoughts. Yeah. Um, I like, th- I like this movie. It's Pirates of the Caribbean meets how to train your dragon. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Yeah. And just to echo what you guys said, the visuals in this are stellar, absolutely stellar. Um, Kaiju, uh, the water animation it did, it is did like have a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, the the water animation, I, I can definitely tell the uh, the Moana, you know, uh, fingerprints all over this. As far as like how water is used, it just looks. Because I remember the first time I saw Moana, I was like, "Wow, the water in this is like otherworldly mm-hmm. good." And I think that I'm I got the same vibe here. Of like the water animation in this was just superb. Uh, it's funny, you know, and you know, yes. that's that's something that's always going to come back to what uh, Pixar does so well is their movies are universally funny. Like they're funny for kids, they're funny for adults, and this hits those marks. Uh, so, yeah, I, it did everything it set out to do. Mm-hmm. It made the movie it wanted to make. 100%. to its own detriment in some ways.
2: Oh, I'm so. interested to hear more about that. Um do you guys yeah. feel like this will contend for animated movie uh of the year? Do you do you feel like Netflix has a a it possible contender here?
4: So what would it be going up against Lightyear and I think Lightyear's out. <laughs> I don't I think, yeah, I am trying to remember what what other animated movies came out this year. Uh, well,
2: Disney's got one coming out. I oh what's that movie called? Um that Jeez, I think I that, it, that I think is is going to give uh, you know obviously be kind of their big push, but I don't know. I just think it feels like a light. <laughs> it feels like a light year uh, so far uh-huh. in, in animation.
4: Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, so we have and we minions. <laughs> would you, no? I guess you would. Uh, turning red. Turning red. That was turning, oh, turning red. Both, sure. What yeah. was yeah. the last
3: Pixar movie before Light Year? I think Turning Red is definitely in that conversation. Yeah. I think that had a lot more going for it
4: yeah Even some butthead do the universe. <laughs> sure, uh, why not?
2: Yeah. South Park, the streaming wars. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be?
4: Would you guys, if there's live action in the anime, will it be, like I'm thinking Chip and Dale. Is there too much live action mm, yes. in that for it to be? I think there's too much in that. There, yeah. there is.
3: Okay. You are allowed to mix it. But I think there is a percentage, and I'm sure if you looked up the Academy of Motion Picture Picture Sciences website, it would tell you specifically what that rule is. Um, but it has to be like primarily animation, like 80 or 90 percent.
4: So yeah, the only one that I can think of that would actually, you know, give this the sea beast to run for its money is turning red right now. Yeah, yeah. I Maybe really like minions. Sonic two. Um, Sonic, that, it, I think Sonic I Two know falls know. in that Chippendale yeah. category of too yeah. much as live soon action. As I
3: put out a lot, I'm like, wait a minute, everyone else
2: is human <laughs> except him. Yeah, the best I animated like character it. in Sonic Two is Jim Carrey. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, did this did this one sneak up on you guys? Like it snuck up on me? Was this on your radar at all? Like this is just one. Yes. Okay, tell me yes. why, John. When did you hear about this movie? And and how, well, I mean,
3: it, granted, not a long time ago, but I want to say in March or in April, I saw a trailer of it, yeah. and I thought, oh, that looks kind of like How to Train Your Dragon meets Moana, and uh, I love I love the way it looked. I love the fact that it was like a big monster, and I'm like, my my daughter will love this, so I added it. To uh, I think a calendar reminder or to my Netflix list or whatever we you know when they when it pops up when it gets released I'll get the notification mm-hmm. and um, I did and I was like oh yeah no let's watch this this weekend and um, so that worked out but yeah I, I think I added it to a calendar once three months ago and didn't think about it again until it appeared
2: yeah yeah uh, other thoughts uh, can be pros or cons take us whatever direction you want to go.
4: So I think the for me the big detriment of this movie is the predictability and the uh the lack of imagination as far as like uh it's it's how, it does everything how to train your dragon did but not as good. Mm-hmm. You know like our main uh beast is not as animated or as like a Charismatics not the right word, but you know, like a sure, full of life mean. like toothless is, yeah. you know. Um our our young heroine is not as cool as a gimpy McGimp face. I forget what his uh <laughs> character's name is. Uh in how to train your dragon, who was the main character in that? I, oh, Hiccup? Hiccup for
3: yeah. Mince Plaza's uh name? I don't know.
4: Yeah, it
2: was it was yeah. hiccup, I think.
3: Yeah, hiccup. his name was Hiccup. Was it not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Aaron, you're the How to Train Your Dragon. I love How to Train Your
2: Dragon. I I thought it was. I just thought it was Hiccup.
3: Uh, No, you're probably right.
4: Yeah, but uh, but what I'm trying to get at is yeah, Yeah, every single uh, character is like a knockoff of How to Train Your Dragon, but they're just not as good and. Pixar um, <clears throat> I know How to Train Dragon's not Pixar it's Dreamworks but even Dreamworks I think that they there's something to those movies that's extra there's more to it like there's a hidden meaning behind this I think everything in this movie is on the surface you know like you know the story beats before they're going to come and there's nothing like that gives it that oh wow like even me as a as an adult I can go Ooh, that hit me on a personal note, or ooh, that hit me, you know, in the feels like it would not uh, a younger person. Like, I think this is just straight up, like, straight up for kids, but adults can enjoy it too. There's nothing special for Mm -hmm. each category that a Pixar movie or a movie like DreamWorks. Uh, how to train your dragon can do. So I
3: I was actually going to say in in the pro column, I actually really appreciated the the themes in this movie, especially about, I mean, uh, ostensibly not judging a book by its cover. The humans are very quick to dismiss the, the, the sea blusters as these monsters that are terrorizing them. And it turns out, Hey, maybe history has lied to us and they're not our arch enemy. We've actually been the colonizer and we've been the instigator of this violence. And I kind of, I appreciated that theme. I think that like, Colonizer uh, motif might have gone over the head of my four year old, but the, the I mean, idea is also
2: identical friend, to How to Train Your Dragon too. Like I mean, it's right, yeah. the exact yeah, same yeah, exactly, thing they're learning right. in there too. Yeah, and I,
3: and I think that's I think it's still a <clears> worthwhile theme, and I think uh, they handled it pretty well. Uh, yeah, certainly surface level, but with the exception of a few of the best Pixar movies, I don't know that animation really does get into the weeds in that way uh, that is meaningful. I mean, Inside Out I think is a one very notable exception where it really does get into stuff. Otherwise, I think surface level uh, interpretation of these ideas are the best we can hope for. Uh, and the other big thing I really like that we haven't mentioned yet with Seabeast is the world building, especially like the royal kingdom that was like it almost appeared to be like this floating uh, city with all these like spires and docks mm-hmm. and, and columns and piers and uh, shipping lanes. I thought that looked kind of like if Arendelle met Amsterdam a bit, like it was all these like canals meeting uh mm palaces. And I really liked, I wanted to explore more of that city um, and the island um, that our two protagonists find themselves on with all these like giant colorful fruit and these little yellow egg people. And uh, just the fact that everything was giant, it felt a bit like a Gulliver's Travels. Uh, yeah, for
4: Skull island. Yeah. No. And I, I really,
3: I, yeah, I, I, really, I, I kind of dug all of that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I could do an entire movie just on this island if that's what they're going for. And they kind of Uh, quickly don't. But uh, yeah, I really liked all the the world building in this for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: It was just, you know, to see Carl Urban fight powerful monsters before being joined by a younger character, trying to show him a different way until they realize the real problem is power itself. You know, I just if only I had seen that somewhere else, uh, you know.
4: Yeah, uh, I called (laughs) him Big Mouth Billy Butcher. (laughs)
2: Uh, I called it the I called it the boy's. Uh, the buoys the boys, the boys.
4: <laughs>
2: instead of the boys uh yeah I I really in uh enjoyed his performance in this uh I think uh the performances all around are good um I don't know that anybody's standing out but I don't know that you have to in a movie I'm thinking Andrew this kind of speaks to your overall negative which is there is kind of a been there, done that feel to this. There's nothing necessarily beyond the visuals, which are spectacular. There's no, there's nothing else going, oh, this is fresh. This is new. This is yeah. interesting in a new kind of way. And that's probably what keeps me from being in the, the loved it because there isn't that little extra oomph. But as far as movies that just do their job, this movie just does its job, man, and it just does it really, really well. And I think there's something to be said for that. And, um, and something to be respected for that as well. And I, I don't mind that at all. If a movie just comes out and, you know, hits a solid double, you know, like that's, that's yep. fun. That's great. Um, so get on base. That's what's important. I also
3: really liked the little, the little blue guy. He was delightful and <laughs> adorable. I, I want to buy a plushie of that. He was very fun. I
2: will call him Squishy and he will be my friend.
4: <laughs> and he will be my
3: Squishy. Uh, uh, also, uh, he, I, uh, there's an entire sequence where they try to get Red to, to steer. And I really like that, just that sort of, um, what's the word? Like that problem solving of we have we, are, we have made like a, a, a really cursory friendship with this gigantic red sea monster. How do we get him to cooperate and do what we want? And that sort of problem solving sequence where the two of them try to figure out how do we get him to steer, you know, port. Uh, it was really fun. And um, I, I, those little moments, I thought that the movie didn't have quite enough of them to make it like a classic, but there were plenty in there to kind of keep our enjoyment for sure.
4: Yeah. Yeah. um, I think the biggest theme of this movie that really worked for me is, uh, you know, the childlike innocence and looking at the world through new eyes, you know, like is, is would the status quo really, you know, everything that we, is it worth sustaining or is there a better way? Mm -hmm. It, uh, it really did a good job of that. It reminded me a lot of, maybe it's just because I rewatched this movie recently, but everything everywhere, all at once, (laughs) there's the scene where he's saying like, even when we don't know what's going on, try to be kind, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that really really hit me in this movie too, especially with the scene you're talking about, John, where she's, you know, helping steer, you know, everything. It's like a, you know, there's a childlike innocence and just a kindness to it that, Mm -hmm. uh, that really resonates. And I think that's the biggest theme of this movie that really uh, stood out to me.
2: Yeah.
3: And you meant you mentioned uh, the kaiju aspect of it earlier and that it was a disappointment for me is that we did not get a giant monster on monster fight at the end. Um, mm. Which, which, which was, I, I don't know that I expected it. I'm kind of like, ah, oh, come on, I want to see this thing go up against the giant octopus or something. And the yeah. humans are stuck in the middle and they're both sides have something at stake. And I really wanted to see the Red Bluster like really go to town on something equal his size. And uh, the climax, without really spoiling anything, is is not quite as climactic as I think I was hoping.
4: Mm-hmm. A sure. character we haven't talked about yet is uh, Jared Harris's character as the captain. Sure, I really like that character a lot. I was surprised with uh, like the uh, the like it it was predictable, but maybe it's just my you know. Infectious love for Jared Harris. That if I see him in anything, I'm like, oh, I'm in. And I really think that he, you know, he leaned into that character and the animation for that character was great. You know, he is the status quo. You know, he is. I thought thought he was a
3: really sympathetic villain.
4: Yeah. I I definitely found myself like, no, I kind
3: of agree with him on most of this. From his point of view, like, all of this makes perfect sense. And I don't begrudge like any decision he's made. And I, I really enjoyed his character arc in this film for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the visuals. I don't know that specifically we've talked about the action, but I did think there were some, some action scenes that were really inventive and, and cool. Well, they especially were great. In- they were,
3: they, the action was excellent. There's yeah. a scene where the Red Buster goes against a, a big, uh, I, I don't I want to call it a pirate ship, but just a big clipper ship. Mm-hmm. And that sequence was incredible. Yeah, and that was sort of the closest we got to that like kaiju-sized fight. Um, and I I wanted more of that because all of the the cannon fire and the action and the swashbuckling was very fun.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think that's true of the initial uh, uh, cap- capture as well. They they have a capture they do at the beginning that is uh, really exciting and and interesting and fun.
3: And the kind of stuff you can't do realistically in any other medium besides right. animation, right? Because uh-huh. so we've seen it in one of the pirate sequels, and it's like, oh, this looks. This looks like a joke, guys. This none of this looks. Real. <laughs> when you when you try to introduce an animal that size to a little tiny human boat, it
4: just it looks like a cartoon at that
3: point. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, final thoughts on the sea beast?
4: No post credits.
2: No post credits. John, did you have anything? I really else
3: enjoyed the music as well on this one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think overall this is a recommend. Um, this is uh, something I think most people will enjoy. Even if you don't love it, I think you're going to have a good time and, and enjoy watching it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It definitely, I think I think,
3: as you mentioned, Aaron, definitely snuck up on me. I was not expecting a lot from it, but I came away thinking this might be the best animated movie I've seen all year. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Lightyear yet, but I, I, I don't have high hopes for that.
2: <laughs> Maybe you're... Maybe your lowered expectations will help you out uh, with what you're... Awesome. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's move into our second review of the show. Let's talk about South Park, The Streaming Wars, parts one and two on
1: Paramount+. Plus. I live in a hot dog on a lonely old hill. People make fun of me and that's not cute i isolated from my friends against my will. My possessions are now condiments, and that is not you.
2: Cartman locks horns with his mom in a battle of wills while an epic conflict unfolds that threatens South Park's very existence. A drought has brought the town of South Park to the brink of disaster. Uh, so how? Let's start here. How crazy is it that S- South Park is still a thing? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. like we talk about The Simpsons, but South Park's not much different. Like, it's been since, what, 97? 97.
3: South Park has been around for a very long time. Their episode counts are a lot shorter.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I had this same thought when you assigned us this movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. South Park is still alive, still kicking. And and for what it's worth, still very funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they they have been around for – this is, I think, their 27th season, and they've done over 24th. 300 episodes. 24th season, I'm sorry. Uh, and they've done over 300-something episodes. The S- uh, Simpsons, by comparison, are on season 34, and they've done, mm-hmm. like, 700 episodes. Yeah. Um, they they definitely, per volume, per episode, The Simpsons still has them, you know, a very comfortable lead. Oh, but yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Park, it kind of crept up, and I'm like, wow, this has really been around for – well more than half my life at this point. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it was like the crude, vulgar new show on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah.
4: and I go over like, to my friend's house so we could watch it. Yeah, you know? right.
3: Uh, and I, I used to uh, watch it occasionally. Maybe a few years after it started, I went back and watched the first few seasons. For whatever reason, I fell out of it. And this is probably my first time watching the South Park in any way in I don't know, 10 years at least. But I really enjoyed it. It's right, crude so- and vulgar and- Uh, liked
2: it, loved it, disliked it, hated it, or it was just okay. John, go ahead. Uh,
3: yeah, I liked it. Maybe, maybe really
4: liked it, probably just liked it.
2: Okay. Uh, Andrew, what about you?
4: I'm going to go with okay. High side of okay.
2: I'm on the low side of liked it. Um, maybe high side of okay. Uh, probably high side of okay, just because this isn't typically, uh, something that's ever been exactly my resonance, right? Like it's Mm, one of, it's one of those shows that just doesn't. It's frequency just isn't quite vibing completely with mine. I see the genius behind it. I definitely think uh, Trey and Matt are super smart, super clever, and oh, yeah. really funny. Um, but the presentation for me has always been eh, just not quite my back. So I think that takes me down into the just okay uh, kind of range just based on that alone. Um, but uh, John, sounds like you liked it the most. What are some of the things you you liked about uh, the streaming wars?
3: Um, As always, South Park mines so much comedy from the metaphorical extreme. Mm -hmm. They take this concept. What if streaming was a legitimate, literal stream, and then there was a literal war between the streams? Mm -hmm. And they extrapolate that out almost entirely so that Butters can give one little monologue at the end of part (laughs) two, where he puts a bow on, like, the streaming war is really encapsulated this, this, and this. And it's like, he's describing the media paradigm in such a visceral Mm -hmm. and and important way that just, you know, takes everybody down a peg. And I love that they built this entire 90 minute narrative basically backwards from like, this is the critique we want to say about Netflix, Mm -hmm. Disney at all. How do we work backwards from that, but wrap it in our own streaming war um, metaphor and I love that. When when it fin- when they finally deliver that sort of verdict it's like, "Oh, I, that's where you were going the whole time." Yeah. You just wanted you just had this commentary to
2: do. And it's not like they don't have fun with the metaphor along the way. It's oh, not like it's, so not, much, so it's much. not like they aren't self-deprecating with the metaphor on occasion about, you know, cuz the boats are clearly like shows or content, yeah. right? Like the boats are content. And yeah. so they talk about, you know, well, we don't have to make a great boat. They're just going to pay us for whatever boat we want to make. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I am like, how and has – that is so – South Park has always been that. has always been we, we don't have to put any money into animation. We're just going to do cardboard cutouts and just do stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, to yeah, see and, that.
4: and it's no accident that, you know, there's that one streaming show and then 30 red shows – you know come like right behind it and just sink it the the Mm -hmm. whole netflix thing like yeah they're they're very on the nose with everything and that's what i really like about it um (laughs) there's i think my only downfall with this uh with this special is that i think it's the weakest of all their specials but uh
2: so are you up to i i didn't really get your history andrew so what's your
4: history do you watch everything south park does I've, d- I've seen every single episode of South Park and every single special, every movie. Uh, I pretty much, if Trey and Matt do anything, I watch it. Yeah. Um, I love, love South Park. Um, I think it's only aged like a fine wine, you know, like I think it just gets better and better. Um, Satire has let, a tendency
2: to do that. Um, so, yeah. What is that? Satire has a tendency to age well. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah
4: yeah there's there is something uh, special with uh, Matt and stone that I don't think we're going to see again for a very long time
2: yeah yeah um yeah my my yeah my history with South Park is just it's really just occasional episode uh watch the movie, which I thought was hilarious um, um, was it, were there two movies? I know there's bigger longer and uncut that's the one I remember watching. Um No,
4: that's the only movie everything okay. else has been a special. Like a special like one or two part special. Haven't
2: yet. watched any of the specials until this one and um yeah, I, I come away every time I watch something South Park, I come away going, yeah, those guys are geniuses. That's hilarious.
3: Still is not quite my thing,
2: but it's mm-hmm. but it's, you know, I'm
3: kind of in the same camp. Well, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I don't know that this reconverts me into a regular viewer. Right. Um, and I and I don't know that I can really uh explain why that is because i did enjoy it but it's also kind of like this is that maybe best in small doses for me mm-hmm. um it's good to know your limits sometimes but you know there's a lot of stuff in here that was very fun
2: <laughs> yeah um other details other things you want to talk about things good things bad things whatever Go
3: i think them. as that sort of uh semi-casual viewer the the amount of like built-in lore that i had to catch up on was a little uh confusing and a little frustrating because there's so many disparate characters that are in, in different parts of their respective character arcs. And I, I came into this going, wait, what happened to Randy? Why does he? And I was like, oh, okay, this is clearly something in season 25 that they've been building towards and then undoing. And I think it was only season 25, right, Andrew? Th- this hasn't been like a, this Karen arc has not been. Multi- no, no. Yeah, yeah, the this Karen is-
2: stuff lost me a little bit. And then I just, like you, uh, I just assumed no, it was something that, that has been built before this or something. Yeah.
4: Actually, no. Uh, the Karen thing was all fresh. Oh, okay. Now, oh, there the, you go. The, tegr- the Tegrity thing, that has been building for a long time okay. now. Yeah, um, yeah. the Tegrity is like, and I think that's why, you know, it was like, oh, we kind of, you know, uh, rammed this into the ground. It's maybe time to come up with something new and fresh. Mm. Um,
3: yeah, I did. I did get that joke as though this is South Park self-criticizing and just hanging a lampshade so they can move on to the next Well, speaking of self-criticizing
4: something that this does and it it's like a lot sorry if this is somebody's buried treasure this week, but Solar Opposites mm-hmm. not only there's self-deprecation in this, but there's also um, parent company deprecation you know, right. with PP Plus you know, and um, kind of like how uh, Solar Opposites did a Hulu Land and all that ridiculousness. Uh, there's a lot of uh, self-deprecation and a lot of uh, parent company deprecation too. Like John yeah, Paul no, is in. No. Are yeah. you in? Are you? I, I,
3: I will say, uh, it, part two. They have this recurring gag of spoofing literally every yeah. celebrity that went in on the crypto craze, especially uh-huh. during the Super Bowl commercial run. Yeah, and and literally and figuratively taking the piss out Of everyone, yeah. Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Larry David, uh, LeBron James are like, Hey, you guys supported crypto and lost people millions. Well, we're just gonna absolutely rag on you and make your cartoon. Version
2: I mean, it's another trick. South Park staple, it's right? They are not afraid is. to take shots no. like shots fired, like they, they you know, like oh, they, yeah. it doesn't bother them at all, which I, I've, I've always kind of respected. That stuff
3: was hilarious just mm. seeing cartoon Matt Damon have <laughs> <at the> to stomach <laughs> his way Murder. through all of the. I think at one point, I think he had to put. Uh, pee on his salad or something to that effect who, he who cooked the spaghetti
2: in urine i think is and yeah, he was trying to eat a spaghetti or something
3: <laughs> and it was just the whole time i'm like you know holding back a, a mild gag like this mm. is this is disgusting i know it's only animated but this is filthy i don't want to watch this and it's so funny
4: i was gonna ask because i could see somebody having like a uh an uh echo audio uh you know reaction like a gag reaction to that like oh sure yeah. when, whenever you hear somebody going burr, burr, you know that it, it kind of like <laughs> makes you like if you do it i'll do it you know yeah i could see it didn't
3: happen to me thankfully but yeah I, that yeah. entire running gag i thought oh this they've done it three times they're done nope no 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 <laughs> no
2: uh-uh no not south park
3: uh, i mean that's always kind of been their bag right is it? kind of running the joke into the ground until it becomes funny again the family guy sort of staple of comedy. And it works really well here. They, every, every sort of metaphor, they just extend it and they extrapolate it and they just go to the nth degree with it until it just becomes so absurd that it's mm-hmm. just this, this really funny and bizarre. And we haven't even talked about Cartman's uh, physical transformation in this special, which was John
4: up here, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> which was, which was uh, alarming and funny and distracting. And it was like, this is, this is uh, certainly a, a direction.
2: <laughs> well it's it's yeah. wild too because what's hilarious about it is the core of that plot line is about him trying to convince his mom. And it's like this 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 stubbornness, this commentary on how where stubbornness can lead, you know? And it's yeah, just like you know, like, on,
3: on, you know how, how do you placate a spoiled child? Well you mm-hmm. maybe you just stop. And yeah. this is what happens when you stop placating a spoiled child. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I don't know that 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 it's uh all too subtle the idea that you know the streaming services are are built on the the breasts of women uh you know idea like you know that there's yeah. there's a real usury towards uh towards women in media in general um so yeah it's it's all that stuff is right there, and i don't know i they're so smart they're just they're just really smart um Mm -hmm. and and brave honestly they're bold brave and smart and i I think there's something to be said for that
4: yeah it's it's one of those things like i i don't know what kind of you know dirt matt and trey have on everybody in the world (laughs) but they'll get away with things everything that they get away with nobody else will yeah and i think it's a built-in like seasoned like from the beginning, we've told you who we were, and we've told you we're never gonna change. You know, nothing is off limits, mm-hmm. nothing is safe. Uh we will make fun of it, and for some reason there isn't a a cancel culture anywhere around anything South Park does.
3: I, I think they're immune to it at this point. They've been around yeah. for so long and they've been taking the piss at everybody. Nobody nobody is uh, you know, immune from their their crosshairs. And uh, if if I read the headline right, they when they did move to Paramount Plus and they sold whatever they sold the entire library and future rights for their ten seasons, uh, um, those guys made nine hundred million dollars by selling to Paramount. That mm-hmm. is insane—a billion dollars for a TV show. That's incredible. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Just oh, you, talk yeah. about, you talk about cancel culture. These guys should have been canceled decades ago, and instead. They're worth a billion dollars (laughs) now.
4: I think the reason why is because there's no hypocrisy with South Park. What I mean by that is all these celebrities and stuff that we see getting canceled or all these shows getting quote unquote canceled. You know, it's because they uh, they champion one thing, but they will, uh, you know, placate and demean another thing. Whereas South Park doesn't champion anything. Yeah. Like yeah, they I, never,
3: they, they've gone after both sides pretty equally.
4: Yeah. They, they never like say, Hey, this is great. There's always every single week, it's its a metaphorical berating of something or mm-hmm. everything. So, yeah. 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 Even punches all around. Yep.
2: Um, anything else about South Park, the streaming wars? Anything else you want to mention before we move on?
4: Did you get like Aaron? You're not really familiar with South Park Mm-mm. and stuff like that, no. so like, uh, it, it may be a spoiler, but it's it's a it's announced in the first three seconds of uh the first uh part. Uh, so did man, bear, pig, or any of that like fly over your head or anything like that? So I was I caught uh,
2: very easily that it's a metaphor for global warming, like or, or yeah. climate change, um, yeah. you know, um, so. But no, I don't have a lot of familiarity with the Man-Bear-Pig stuff. So Okay. So, yeah.
4: yeah. Thank and there are you bits and pieces
2: like that, but that's okay. It doesn't bother – it didn't stand out too much for me. It wasn't, like, nonstop. Um, and in a situation like this, I guess I have a little more grace for it because this is a TV show. Like, this is – and it is for the fans. You know, like, I wouldn't begrudge – if you went and saw the Simpsons movie and you, you've never seen a Simpsons episode, hopefully you'll have mm. a good time. But you can't begrudge the fact that there are going to be moments where you're like, I don't quite follow that. Like, that's you know, there's just – it's a different yeah, thing I, for I, me. I
3: definitely than, agree. And, and I, I could tell they were, they were paying off an arc that I wasn't privy to the beginning of. Right. And it didn't, it didn't necessarily take me out of it or make it less enjoyable. But I do remember at the very beginning thinking, did I miss something? Why – uh, why is Randy acting? Why are they calling him Karen? Is he just acting like, uh, you know, entitled? And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And I figured it out pretty quick, but I remember being momentarily confused. Like I definitely missed something.
2: Except apparently <laughs> we is, didn't. He's
3: off model. No.
2: Yeah. Apparently we didn't. Um, yeah. So, so as for that, my lack of familiarity, I don't think w- was too much of a hindrance. Uh, you were this. able
4: to pick up the breadcrumbs and sure. figure out where they I, were supposed to be. My going. thoughts were
2: thoughts like, um, why isn't Kenny in this more? Or, you know, like, like, it didn't seem like it really was Cartman focused. And um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I listened. There's four of them, right? And I just, I, so I yes, lost. Stan,
4: Kyle, Kenny, Cartman.
2: Yeah, and so I lost kind of. It didn't feel to me what I thought South Park was like, where it's just those four doing stuff. It felt very like separated, and and that some of those uh, main characters just weren't necessarily in this a lot, which is which is fine. Or maybe I just missed them. Maybe they were in it. No, summer. no,
4: it's definitely Cartman and Stan mm-hmm. as far as the kids go. But then Randy has slowly over the seasons grown into what some would consider the main character of the show mm. as opposed to the kids. Um and then that was noticeable to me.
2: That was that as somebody who has a, a vague understanding of South Park, that was noticeable to me.
4: Yeah. Now is the is the
3: water park guy is he a regular character or is this his first appearance?
4: There was one episode a long time ago where they went to PP's water park.
3: Because that he was delightful and I wanted to see more of him.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, it's, a it's a peepee, you know, it's the delightful. Mario character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my final thought is I would recommend watching this uh, two part special with a little bit of integrity. <laughs> it,
3: yeah, catch your meaning. Yeah, I do. I g-
4: right. I I pick. I have picked up what
2: you're putting down. I have picked up hmm. what you're putting down. Um, so you've seen. I think there. I I noticed when I was clicking around to find it. There's a COVID special. Um,
4: COVID special is amazing. It takes place in the future where they're all grown up, and it's delightful. Yeah,
3: I think. I think one of these days, if I have a particularly slow couple of months, I will catch up with the. 21 seasons.
4: (laughs) John, I have seen your back catalog of things (laughs) that you want to get caught up on. (laughs) It's every
3: Uh, movie that's ever been made. mm -hmm. I'm
2: yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, there you go. There's South Park, the streaming wars Uh, that is on Paramount plus it is in two chunks. It is. There's a part one and a part two. Um, yes. it, the first one may just be called The Streaming Wars, and the second one is called The Streaming Wars Part 2, um, if yeah. you have to look those up.
3: And effectively just one feature-length movie. It is. Together.
2: It's basically one. It's basically a feature-length film. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move into – well, before we move into the Best Ever Challenge, uh, I do want to take a second, like we do every single episode, to thank our Cif Pop members. Appreciate you. Love producing extra content for you. Giving you your own podcast feed that doesn't have ads in it um, and also includes those bonus episodes. Uh, we chatted uh, about a few things for the member show this week, um, but we were ma- all over the place. We we were all over the place, but we did manage to land and focus a little bit on uh, the streaming wars and where we're at, and which streaming services we enjoy, and kind of where we think that is going. If you're interested in any of that conversation, uh, check out what it's like to be a Sift Pop member at Patreon.com/siftpop. That's Patreon.com. Thank you uh, for even clicking over there and checking it out. Really appreciate that.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more,
1: All right, let's have a little fun with the Best Ever Challenge this
2: week. We're going to do Best Ever Sea Movies, S-E-A. Now, the letters S-E-A uh, don't have to spell C in the movie. They could be part of other words. They could be divided by spaces, but they do have to be in order consecutively, S-E-A. Uh, we will go number five to number one. Feel free to Trump if you have it higher. Um, I'm just going to ask this question before we even start. Um, how many of your five use the word C as intended? Just S-E-A. The word C mm. is actually in its own word in the, the movie title.
4: Two.
3: Four out of five. And I was actually curious. Did you Ooh. expand the rule because you were worried there weren't enough C movies?
2: I, I expanded the rule for two reasons. Number one, um, the, it was a fairly small you know, um, yep. pond, so to speak, uh, to uh to choose from and number two because i think this is fun i think there's there's yeah, an no. element of fun yeah, to no, it. I,
3: I definitely found a couple i would not have thought about um but yeah four out of my five actually use the word c right
2: i okay.
4: how many for you two
2: i have two, two. so i have three okay. non uh c and two c's um i'll kick us off with my number five okay uh, I have a soft place in my heart for Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. That is one it's of my m-
4: number five too.
3: Oh,
2: nice! Um, that was in my
3: honorable mentions. That is a we're assuming talking about the fifty-four version. With yes, yeah, yeah. 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 There, is there another version? I assume there yes. is, but maybe there's, there's an, old an old version, 19, like a twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did George Millet do that one?
2: <laughs> I don't <laughs> you, remember.
3: I think that might be one of the one of the original George Millet films from like nineteen fourteen. This is um,
2: on uh, Disney Plus, if you want to check it out. Um, it is yeah. a classic Disney film oh, uh, from so, the 50s. So fun. Um, And really, really kind of ahead of its time as far as effects and, and those kind of things. Um, does some really interesting things with the giant squid. Um,
4: oh, that's, that's primo. That's like one of the most iconic scenes from any movie ever it's yeah
2: it's astonishing stuff I remember growing up as a kid uh in the 80s even going oh wow this is amazing and you know it's been out 30 years at that point so um
3: there's something about the look of those old 50s techno color films mm -hmm. Mm. just so the, the way that old film looks with those bright vibrant reds like his red red and white striped sweater just like pops off the screen with the saturation and we oh yeah, because really it's it's that.
4: contrasted by so much blue, you know. Yeah, no, it, it everything just, about least,
3: it looks. Uh, there's just like a gorgeous old golden age of Hollywood look to those Technicolor films, and yeah, this and is. Kirk Douglas is so
4: charismatic in this too. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of a uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Uh
2: so yeah that is my number 5 that is also andrews number 5 uh 20,000 yep. leagues under the sea. <clears throat> so uh John what's your number 5?
3: Um I actually have the sea beast here. Um oh, Okay. Which I think I I don't that might be recency bias but every other movie I thought about including um I, I don't know that I love it as much. Like Manchester by the Sea is maybe a little too dark, a little too sad. Um, other movies like What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which have an SEA in the title. Why don't you just
2: throw out a whole bunch of movies uh, yeah. and yeah, just, like just my, my spoil them? Like- like, just, just go ahead and just keep naming movies.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we already talked about Sea Beast. I, think, I don't know if it's top five, but it's really close to it. So that's my that's my pick. Nice. Right. Uh, and your number four.
2: My number four is Manchester by the Sea. Uh, <laughs> and it is Trumped by Andrew. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Andrew, what is your number for?
4: Something that I love about doing these lists sometimes is it ge- it, it it ignites an opportunity in me to like, th- I've been wanting to watch this movie for so long. I'm going to watch it just to see if it'll make my uh, best ever challenge list. Mm-hmm. And it's sure. happened here with a movie that I've been wanting to see forever. And that is The Seventh Seal. Yeah, oh, nice. good choice. Old good choice. Max von Sydow movie in By, Swedish.
3: Uh, the Bergman.
4: Yes. I have been learning Swedish for about a year now, is that right? and uh, I'm, I got to the point where I could catch like one in every 12 words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the movie itself is fascinating about this knight who returns home after the Crusades, and he uh, is greeted by death, like the embodiment of death, like on the right. shores. And he uh, plays chess with him to extend his life, you know and there's ramifications for that we see metaphorical uh movements with the plagues and everything uh a really interesting movie in it it's it was kind of a palate cleanser in a way because it was so different from every other movie i'd seen recently uh there's something about these older movies and the things that they focus on the things that they heighten you know it and it, the fact that it was a four-language film, you know, it, it added a, a bit of freshness to it. So, yeah, I would I would definitely recommend The Seventh Seal. It, it's one that I'm glad that I finally uh, got off my uh, list of shame.
3: Absolutely. I actually just checked out uh, Igmar's Wild Strawberries just earlier this month. Uh, and that's another movie from right around the same time, 1957, that is, yeah, such a departure from, like, modern cinema. This, like, really slowed down deliberate storytelling focus with a lot of flashbacks and character work. And he is a brilliant filmmaker. It's not always my speed, but I really appreciate that, uh, that kind of media when, when you're in the mood for it.
4: Yeah. Uh, uh Ingmar said about this movie that he made it simply because he had a overwhelming fear of death mm-hmm. and dying and stuff. So he made this movie as kind of like a, a, a self, uh, psychological like uh, try to break through that fear and you can see that and and i really appreciate how you know people try and use art to uh better themselves and to help themselves so Mm -hmm. yeah how
3: crazy was it that max von sito was with us just up until the beginning of the pandemic
4: isn't that insane yeah, the, the man put in some work. He, he did yeah. a he did one or two movies. <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah. you're telling me it's a a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey ripoff? That's what you're telling yes. me.
3: A... hundred <laughs> percent. I, I was, was going to yeah. say the, the, the Bill and Ted is a, a clear alliteration and callback to this. I did not appreciate that when I was 13, but at, at 33, I was like, oh yeah, no shoot, this is where they got it from. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The he even looks just like this, he, like he's dressed. William Sadler, yeah, he does. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I was really, whenever they were playing chess, I was in my head, I'm not going to lie, I was like, E1, <laughs> <laughs> you have sunk my battleship. Good stuff. Good who, stuff. Uh, who, yeah, no, that was your number four. Uh, that, that was you? my who? number four. So I think we're on to your number four.
3: Uh, this is Deep Blue Sea. And Honestly, this could go. This could go much higher. I adore this dumb shark movie so yeah. much. Uh, I watched it. I think when it came out in theaters, I owned it on oh, DVD. Yeah. I bought it again on Blu-ray. This is a guilty pleasure for me. Everything about it is is like by the book. Just a cliche, uh, you know, monster movie. Each person, one at a time, gets knocked off in fun and inventive ways. But it it, it just takes that concept of like Poseidon Adventure meets Jaws, and it executes mm. it in such a I don't want to say self-aware because it's not a funny movie, but it it knows what it needs to, and it just delivers, uh, you know, with full aplomb the whole way. And LL Cool J <laughs> is just such an unexpected protagonist and hero for this movie that it's like, yes, you wait, my bird. <laughs> of course, I want him to to make it and be the big hero of the whole show. And yeah, that moment with Sam Jackson is just infamously. Oh
4: fantastic. yeah, it's it's like in the top ten most unexpected movie deaths ever. I, I yeah. that Dude.
3: I remember I did watch that in theater in theaters because I can still remember crowds going like oh just like, yeah. uh, like the uh, the the air just pulled out of the room. When yeah. Sam Jackson is eaten alive. Yeah, such a such a fun movie. Always a good one to watch in uh, the middle of summer too.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, Aaron, you number three. My number three is, thanks, John. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Hey, all right. <laughs> you literally just started walking up my list as you were naming movies. That's,
3: I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> they were all good. These were all these would all be back by like six, seven, mm-hmm. eight. These were like right there for me.
4: Yeah, this was my number six. Um, and this
3: would probably be higher if I have seen it recently, but it's been so long.
4: You Tell should check that. it out. I think it holds up pretty
2: well. Uh, I haven't seen it. In, you know, the last five years, but, um, but I have seen it, uh, since it came out and, uh, man, there are, there are people here doing such pure work that, that have kind of, I don't, I think it's unfair to say they've lost that element to their, um, performance because, you know, both Depp and DiCaprio still do pure work, um, DiCaprio more than Depp, I think, even uh, making those choices. But they yeah. they have gained so much baggage since this came out. You know, just uh, so many.
3: There was, was an innocence to their performances. Yeah, they there's were a real
2: these, you know, acting innocence to what they're doing here that I think serves the the movie really well. It's a little bit earnest. It's it's a it's a little bit you know. Um, Hokey. Geez. Hokey at times. Uh, but I think it works. I think it really does work. And um, you know, I do think we have come to a place where DiCaprio's por- performance probably wouldn't have happened today. Um, you know, there's I'm kind
3: of agree. I think Peanut Butter Falcon kind of proved that Correct. Uh, uh people of that uh persuasion are perfectly capable of representing themselves in cinema and do a fine job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 yeah, looking back, this is gonna be one of those movies that another 10 years is like, ooh, that was well, was maybe and I think, think we're already incentive. kind of there, um, yeah. but it is, I, I think what, what it is. What is like the mentally challenged equivalent of blackface? This is kind of the, <laughs> right. Absolutely. This is, what, what, what's the name of uh, what's his name's character in Tropic Thunder? Uh, Simple Jack. Junior. Yeah. Simple yeah, Jack. The Simple
2: Jack, Jack, Jack. Kind
4: of idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the actual blackface in Tropic Thunder.
3: <laughs> well, there is that as well. Uh, there's yeah. that too, and they and they do a really good job of satirizing that entire concept of like, yeah, you never you never go full. Um, right. I, I don't want to say it, but you get yeah. it. So, so,
2: so I think there is that part, maybe it may be too cringe for, for most people to get over. This may not be one you want to put in. I don't know what, what I will say is that for whatever reason, I'm able to compartmentalize the idea of, yeah, we probably, there was a better way to do this. And this hasn't quote unquote aged well. But wow, what a performance!
4: Like I think both oh,
2: things can be true. Didn't and he get an
4: Oscar nomination for this movie?
2: I don't remember. I don't remember. But um, but he's spectacular in it. In a in a performance that would no longer happen for probably good reason. So yeah, he sure did. Um, he got
3: his. I think that was his first nomination, and he, so, and he had five more before he won for The Revenant. So
2: so there you go. That's What's Eating Gilbert Grape. That is my number three. And
3: and, and for those who t- it's hard to necessarily see it in your head, but the S from What's and then eating is where the word S E A ends you. up yes. In the title.
2: Yes. Thank we, you. we didn't should,
3: we didn't explicitly spell that out, but it You should literally it,
2: spell that out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause
3: it, it is easy to be like, wait, huh? how does that word have how does that title have C in it?
2: It certainly does. It certainly does. Uh, all right, Andrew, I think we're ready for your number three.
4: Uh you know me, I have to put a Western in here somewhere. So I'm gonna throw in the searchers. Yep. That I is also that was my number three. Oh, oh, okay.
1: Nice. Chat it uh, up
4: actually i'll say this and then i'll let john take it over uh i for everybody knows that i love westerns i don't know if i've ever said this i don't like john wayne westerns what uh, i know uh oh, if it, if there was a jets and sharks i'm i'm team clint eastwood i think that <laughs> it in it's it has to do with the time that the movies were made i think that john wayne was all a clean cut kind of a western guy like everybody's in pressed you know you know clothing so he, and everybody's no like
3: ambiguity he is the hero he will save the day there is no gray area to yeah. his morality i think and, this might actually come the closest to that where there is a little bit of uh, uh sort of trepidation like what is he doing and is it the right thing but generally yeah. he's very straight down the middle
4: and that's why I think I like this movie a, a lot. Actually, I really like this movie. Even towards the end, where there's a, a surprising amount of camp and comedy in this movie that isn't in like the first three fourths of the movie. But uh, it's it's a simple it's a simple movie. Uh, 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 girls kidnap, gotta go get her back. It's gonna yeah. take a while, but we're gonna do it. I, I think though of all of the
3: Taken esque story plots the searchers does it as good as maybe any movie certainly of this time period
4: well they they, they do the K-I-S-S, k-i-s-s keep it simple stupid you know they don't try and you know convoluted with a whole bunch of stuff it's 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 exactly the movie that it wants to be and uh yeah i i have a good time with this movie i actually just re-watched it uh i got i got it in
3: eight years or so um and it was actually one of the first this might be the first John Ford Western I ever saw and maybe the first John Wayne movie I ever saw. I wish I watched it because it I think it's still in, in my memory, I think one of their best efforts together. And they did so many movies, the, the, those two. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I made the mistake of sort of watching one of the all time best considered classics first without the context of like the 20 years that came prior to that. Um, mm. But yeah, just having sort of retroactively <laughs> contextualized it, I think this one does like that Monument Valley uh, backdrop better than anything this movie is gorgeous when you this is like yeah. the prototypical western when you think john Wayne on a horse with a winchester rifle you know galloping through monument valley uh, with the yeah. sun drenched brown sand around him. like this is the movie i kind of think of in, in my head when i think of western um, but yeah it's it but there's also like a good deal of like thematic reckoning with like racism and preconceived notions kind of what we discussed with the sea beast and oh, John yeah. Wayne's, uh feelings towards the natives and the indians and and he's he's definitely like an asshole racist, but he has to kind of come to terms with that and figure out, can I, you know, still save this girl and get past my prejudices? and mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, it's an ex- excellent film.
4: Yeah, there's definitely a whole lot of uh, of the time racism in this movie, <laughs> but at the same time, the movie tries to deal with racism like it's one of the themes of the movie. Um, in a way that's a
3: more forward thinking than I would have expected yeah. for a 50, 56 film. Yeah.
4: So mm. I'd recommend it. It's a lot of fun.
3: Oh, yeah. Huge recommend, especially if you are not familiar with Westerns. I think this is, despite what I just said, probably a good place to start. Mm-hmm.
2: So that was both of your threes. So I think on to our number twos. Um, number two, I have Sleepless in Seattle, um, classic rom con.
3: Great film. Um, Did you trump that? No. Oh, like this, this would also this would be in my top ten, but
2: not my top five. Okay, uh, I mean Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. I mean, let's just you could end the sentence there, and you're probably in for a, yeah, a charismatic, wonderful time. Um, and they're great in this. Uh, you know, I don't know that this movie has aged perfectly either, but I will say that it is. Um, it is definitely the in my mind kind of the definition of a rom com. Like if you were just going to
3: gonna see- say if if The Searchers was the prototypical western, Meg and Tom are like the prototypical rom com. This yeah. and What's Got Mail that is like the go
4: to yeah. for that genre. Yeah, this is in my list of shame. Oh,
2: you should check it out sometime. They're just so great on screen and they're so great together. And um, yeah, Sleepless in Seattle is a is a a nice exploration of that. Very uh, cute film. What is your number two, Andrew?
4: This is where I have Manchester by the Sea. Speak on it. What a fun movie! <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, just a bundle of joy. Like I, like yeah. this is one my family. Every
4: Christmas, we sit down and we'll watch. Let's uh, get
3: around and watch Colin. Yeah. <laughs> just break uh, down.
4: Uh, oh man, that scene with him in the. Uh, in the uh, in the police station after the fire yeah. and stuff yeah and he like runs he grabs the gun and everything is one of the most heartbreaking performances yeah I haven't seen this movie since it came out and I remember there being a whole lot I don't of... blame
2: you no one blames you
4: <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> uh, uh but I remember at the time that there had been a whole lot of like controversy around Casey Affleck and I remember right. that that had really um impacted my viewing experience of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't I, I hear about kn-
3: that until after, but he did win the Oscar for it regardless.
4: Yeah. I was going to say um, his performance is otherworldly. Like the his um, portrayal of like ultimate loss and pain in that one scene in particular is haunting. It really is. And then uh, is it Lucas Hedges? Is that the name of yeah. the... Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's so yeah. good in this yeah, I, it, I, I thought he was going
3: to be a like, superstar after this movie. I was convinced he was going to be huge. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen him in two movies since.
4: Yeah, well, I've seen him like once or twice, but I 100% agree with you, John. Uh, based solely on the performance he gave in this alone, like what a what a way to announce yourself to the world! Like here I am, but his career needs to take off because he does really good work.
3: He was in Lady Bird, like the next year, and that was similarly an excellent performance. But, um. Yeah, this I, I thankfully watched this when it came out before I had kids. If I watched it today, I think I would be a total, complete emotional mess. Because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. How how was it uh, for you, Aaron? I think you had this on your list too, didn't you? Yeah, I
2: did. Uh, I think this is a phenomenal film. I think it touches on some really incredibly deep human things, and uh, I think that's important, and valuable. It also has that thing going for it that I think most great films do, where you just feel everything in this world just feels real. It feels like there was an accidental Mm. camera set up and just caught, you know, real conversations. And uh, Michelle Williams is so good in this movie. Um, I just. just So good, period. I mean, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, just uh, all the way around, um, this is just high quality stuff
3: and it's hard to watch
2: was, it's hard to watch it is
3: i was going to say on, on your point about the accidental camera it does have that like cinema verte style where there's a lot of like locked down shots that mm-hmm. they just let run mm-hmm. and we're we're just wide in the corner of the room and they're just having emotional moments yep. and they don't cut there's not a lot of editing there's not a lot of cutaways and you just kind of get to sit with it as if you're in the room and some of it is legitimately like uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. like this this is i can't if I was in the room physically, I would want to leave. I would want to excuse myself. Like you need a minute. I'm going to go.
4: Oh yeah. Because this movie is so the, the subject matter is so intimate and personal that you do feel like, uh, invasive, invasive. That's yeah. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I shouldn't be seeing this because this is meant for just these two, but, uh,
3: yeah, yeah, totally
4: crazy movie.
3: Uh, John, you're number two is a movie um, maybe you guys haven't heard of uh, called Song of the Sea. This is an Irish animated film about a little girl who lost her mother, who goes on a search through Ireland and through the sort of mystical lore of the sea and souls mm. and angels in an attempt to sort of reconnect with her mom because her mom has turned into a, I think a seal or the spiritual embodiment of of a seal. And it's just one of those like... Um, hero's journey through a, a bit of a mystical ocean uh like setting and the animation style is this beautiful like two and a half d and the music is gorgeous the acting um oh gosh i can't remember that that nice round irishman's name um uh br- something with a b uh, Colin for now the other one, the one with the one he played opposite in Bruges. Uh, he is in this, and he is Oh,
4: um, that's uh, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan, I knew it being able to be. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson.
3: He plays the dad. He is brilliant in this, and it's similarly a lot about those same themes about like losing. Uh, in this case, a, a child losing a parent and coming to terms with that, and how they grow up, and the father's just grief and frustration with how do I raise my kids without her? And uh, yeah, it combined. It felt like a really good Pixar movie, but in a completely different animation style. Uh, my daughters both love it. Uh, I love the music. I love the themes and the, and the style and, but I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I think I only discovered it a couple of years ago. It's been out since 2014. Um, and I would, uh, huge recommend. This is a brilliant and beautiful film.
4: Nice. Yeah. When I was uh, searching for Song films, sea. this one kept popping up and, uh, I like the, uh, the art style from like all the pictures I've seen. It looks. Yeah. It's,
3: it's a really neat, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I would say this is like magical fantasy is kind of the the word I
4: was looking for. Okay.
2: Uh, all right, time for number ones. Um, Ooh, what you got? I, I have Searching for Bobby Fischer uh, at number one. Mm. I love this movie. Um, I mean, he's not playing death uh, in chess in this movie, <laughs> but he is, he is playing a lot of different people. Uh yeah no this is this has been one of my favorite movies since the moment I saw it um you know and again I, I saw this movie when it came out and it was in a moment pre like everything I see I must have an opinion on and rank and you know like it's interesting is as, as somebody who kind of does I can what believe we do that time existed <laughs> well what, what's interesting to me is to think not only did that that that's weird for us you know like people who do this who like get on shows and talk about stuff. But everybody's kind of in that boat now because we all have social media accounts. We I shouldn't say all, but you know what I'm saying. The majority of people have social media accounts yeah. or – you know, yeah, yeah. whatever.
3: And certainly, so, people, certainly people Gen X are younger. I asked my parents once, like, what's your favorite film? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, you watch a movie every day. How do you not know? Right, right. So, but, but, but people like us certainly have ranks and lists. And
2: Well, in anybody today may not have ranks or lists, but they but they feel like they have to have an opinion, right? Like, it's it's so interesting to yeah, think yeah. there was a time where you could leave a movie and you didn't feel any pressure to think one way or another about it. Like, there, it genuinely was just a fun thing you did, and then you might talk about it a little bit, but the point wasn't, oh, how would I rate this? How would, you know, how would I recommend it to somebody? Like literally you did not have to have an opinion on everything. You literally could experience something and not have an opinion on you know, it. Like I don't
3: understand that, but I, <laughs> I will reflect. <laughs> I will reflect with, uh, what s- is that word for when you have nostalgia of something you haven't experienced personally?
4: Uh,
3: it's that, I have that for this. Nice.
4: Nostalgia by proxy? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: I've, I've actually never seen, uh, Bobby Fischer. It's it's probably oh, you should check neither. it out. You should check it's it out. It's probably near the top of my list of shame. If I'm especially when you just cut it down to '90s movies, there's not many I haven't seen yet. And this, I don't know. This has been on my radar for so long, and I just haven't floated around to it yet. It's why really why good. do you love it?
2: It's really, really good. So it has it has the elements, and this is kind of where I was leading and talking about that. I, I I saw this at a time where you didn't have to. I didn't necessarily have to have an, a, a deep opinion on everything because I love movies. I did, but I, you know, it just jumped out at me in a in a way that it has just landed in my consciousness. And then when I started to be the person who was like, you know, what are your favorites of all time? Well, searching for Bobby Fischer is right there, and I think it has to do with the idea that it that it that it does sports movie really well. Like the, the idea of the chess in this movie is really entertaining the way the tournaments work, the way it builds the character and the character's skill, the way that there's the underdog quality to what he's doing. It's got that beautiful thing of like uh, the kid who's really good at something and, and is able to surprise people. Um, you know, it's, it's just got, A lot of that amazing stuff, and and chess is always a fun place to put that because it's so cerebral, Um, and because it's cerebral, I think it can be even more believable than when you try to put a kid in like a sports movie where it's like an actual sport. Well, then they have to be good at acting and actually good at the sport, whereas like in chess or a cerebral game – the actor doesn't actually have to be good at chess. He just has to, has to know the moves that somebody good at chess would be. You know what I mean? Like so. So I think it, it adds to like the authenticity a little bit more. Um, I think it has something beautiful to say about childhood and about pressure that was kind of a little bit prescient. Um, so yeah, it's a huge. It's a huge recommend for me. It's just a good watch. It's just a story that's just really well told. Um, I will. I will move enjoyable. that
3: so, near the top of my list. I can't promise. It'll yeah. Be at the- but I will get to it soon. Right after, right. Right
2: after South Park COVID specials, you know, you'll watch yeah. uh, Searching for Bobby Fisher. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like that's on. my number one. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. I uh, really, really enjoy it. It's high praise. Yeah. Yeah, I like it.
4: Uh, Andrew, what's your uh, number one? Mine is a documentary Ooh. called Searching for Sugar Man. Mm. Never heard of this. So uh, I won't give away too much then. Uh, so what this is it's about two South Africans uh, a journey out to find uh, this musical artist who in South Africa is bigger than Elvis like uh, he is like the most iconic uh, uh, singer of like generations and uh, turns out he is an artist who is only famous in South Africa he, uh somebody just brought like one of their friends uh tapes over like during like the 70s of him and he became this huge icon but in the rest of the world nobody has heard of him like i think he was homeless in america but had he known uh he was the biggest star for a country like for a country you know um so it's all about them going to find this guy and it's crazy how this like you don't know like how your art can impact the world. And it's uh I think it won Best Documentary of 2012. Uh give me two seconds. What yeah, was it was an Oscar winner for Best Searching. Documentary. Searching for what was it called? Sugar Man. Sugar Man. That sounds yeah. very
3: interesting. I think I've I think I've heard of this in the news, but I didn't know it was
4: a movie. Yeah. Um That's really cool. Highly, highly, highly recommended. It. It's fascinating.
2: Very nice. Searching for Sugar Man. I have not seen it. Uh, I should put that on my, my watch list. list. Yep. Yes. Absolutely.
3: We say in unison.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that leaves you. Mr. Paula, what is
3: your number one? Uh, the Seahawk 1940 with Errol Flynn. This is I think the absolute, and I've used this word th- twice already, the prototypical swashbuckling epic. This is, when, when I think of like a good pirate movie, the like the swords and like the swinging ropes and the cannons and the ships. Uh, This one comes to mind, Errol Flynn at his best, I think better than Robin hood. Um, This is, I think the, the genesis of a lot of those tropes and memes we've seen over the years, like the shot of the two guys uh, literally going at it with their rapiers and their swords with the big tall shadows on the fireplace behind them as they move across like the marble floor of the castle that comes from this movie. Uh, There's something about like the romance and like the daring action that just personified an era of Hollywood we don't have anymore. Um, and this is just such a fun, enjoyable throwback. And I think one of the best action movies, certainly of the black and white era, but just in general, the shots in this, there is an actual full scale at sea battle between two pirate ships in this movie that looks better than most of the stuff in the actual Pirates mm. of the Caribbean films. <laughs> and I'm watching it going like, wait, this, there's no effects. They just did it. They just did it for real.
4: Isn't it crazy how they just used to do that back in the day? I mean, like, they just have... They
3: just do it. Yeah, they just... I assume they had, like, giant squibs and other, like, powder going off. So they're not actually firing cannonballs. But they have two ships at sea blowing smoke and then having corresponding match-timed explosions on the other end. And then stunt... Got, there's so much stunt work in this. I am surprised nobody got killed in the production because it is... This is up there with, like, Ben-Hur and, like, this looks so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those big, epic black-and-white movies, they always... I think for me kind of hold up really well because they impress me more because I know what they had to have done. And it seems so unlikely that this could have ever been filmed today and certainly this way. Um, and yeah, if, if you haven't seen an Errol Flynn movie, like this guy was like a plus star material in a way that I think, oh, maybe only people like Robert Downey Jr. Kind of match today in that like a plus celebrity. He was, you know, everybody wanted to be, uh, and this is one of his best movies in my opinion. Nice. Seahawk.
2: The Seahawk uh, is number one for John. Well, there you go. There's our top five sea movies. Uh, Who has the most honorable mentions? I've got four left. Um, You mentioned all mine, so. uh, John, did you have any honorable mentions left?
3: Um, Yeah, I have three or four left.
2: All right. Uh, Well, let's just go back and forth. Uh, Sense and Sensibility, I think, is worth mentioning. Um, So, yeah, I think that's... uh, the S-E at the end of sense, and then the A at the beginning of and, uh, sense and sensibility. Uh, what about you? What else did you have?
3: Uh, a recent-ish movie with uh, John Cho, Searching, from 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a movie, if I remember correctly, was all done with computer um, webcams and screens. So mm-hmm. It was all done from the perspective of his computer. And yeah, his daughter goes missing, and he has to track her down. And something about the style worked. It usually doesn't. It's usually. Aaron,
2: okay. you you really like this movie. Didn't I, like you? I like searching. I like searching a lot. Yeah, um, it's I
4: think, on my
3: list. I think it's it's it, a good modern thriller with a neat sort of mm-hmm. uh, you know aesthetic choice
4: to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and unlike a lot of. Uh, found footage movies where the gimmick starts to feel a little heavy, feel a little it's, weighty. It's a
4: forced gimmick.
2: Right, where it's it's like, oh, yeah, we just happen to have a camera here and a camera here. Um, yeah. This To me, the screen life movies feel a little more authentic because they're literally just screens, right? Like they, you know, um, this movie – does really well on that until the last about 10 minutes. And I get it. And then, then it does have a, a little bit, it does feel a little bit. Yeah, it,
3: it, I remember it plays a little fast and loose with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, but,
3: this, this camera was on like, just go with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there, is, there is that kind of moment, but for the most part, I enjoyed this more. I again, am of the opinion. You don't have to use this kind of stuff as a gimmick. You can use it just to tell good stories and not worry about it being a consistent gimmick. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like, you could compare it to anything that's that's used as good storytelling, like a, a like a wonder. Like for instance, nineteen seventeen is a great movie. So this is a terrible example, but you don't have to do a whole <laughs> movie that is that is a wonner well, You you can just that's, use oneers uh, to tell stories. You know.
3: Well, that that is a great um, supposition there. What if halfway through searching or halfway through nineteen seventeen, Sam Mendez was like, now we're just going to cut traditionally. Sure. Why not? Like, I, I feel like some people, there's like that sunk cost fallacy. We're like, well, we've already done 90 minutes as a one, or we might as well do the last 20 as a one or two. And it's like, you don't right. have to. Right. You can, split, you can pivot back to traditional filmmaking. There's something, there's you a, like
2: a, a completest thing in us that yes, is like, for sure. well done, you did it the whole time. But that's not, but that doesn't serve storytelling. That serves ego, right? That's a, yeah. it's a, it's a little bit, anyhow, I'm, I'm not saying there no, isn't. I,
3: I, I think that's an interesting discussion. It goes all the way back to Hitchcock with rope, like it was a neat gimmick for the first act, but like, you have to keep going. Like, right. We kind of got it. You can do, you can do a one take movie. All right. There,
2: there are everybody. movies, there are movies that do this. Well, I, I think of, um,
4: like Anything for, Alfonso Cuaron.
2: Well, I was going to go with any uh, with yeah. the revenant, right? Like the revenant is one of those movies where you will see these big, um, you know, uh, one shots, um, famously the revenant is shot in all natural light except it's not there's one scene where they use like a, a just a little bit of and they weren't afraid to do that because they knew it served the movie and
0: yeah. they could
2: still go get you know 98% of it is natural light but we had to do this here like that's yeah. okay you know like i that doesn't that doesn't make it less to me that doesn't mean oh you were so close in too. no you used you know your your sto- storytelling uh tools really well and i so- couldn't
4: tell you what the scene was
2: no, right, you know? and that's the thing. Or, like, I think of End of Watch as uh, an interesting one for me because that's a found footage movie. Like, if you yeah. watch End of Watch, there's a lot of body cam footage. There's a lot of stuff that's shot that's through that's cameras, cam. yeah. but not not the whole thing. Probably, yeah. I, you know, probably say 60%, 70% is kind of the found footage idea. That's close to that. That's great. That's you know that perfectly. So,
3: yeah, I, I, I think I'm inclined to agree. You can definitely have chunks of it in style. Have a 15 minute one or in the middle of your movie, but like you don't have to keep going. Right.
2: If it's especially if it's going to be distracting on a auth- authenticity level,
3: right? Like or, or yeah. a hindrance in terms of production or storytelling. Maybe right. the next scene doesn't takes place in real time. Maybe you have to have a time jump. Yeah.
2: And yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. Uh, yeah. So that so searching is. Uh, it's definitely one of those gimmick movies, but I think it pulls it off pretty well. So, was that the, your last one, or we were going? No, back I, had, and forth? I had a
3: couple others. I've mentioned it on the show before. Uh, Stanley Tucci searching for Italy. This travel show on CNN is if you like Italy and food, and watching Stanley Tucci charm the pants off everyone he meets, such a fun show. They only have like 10 episodes total, and uh, yeah, it's on cable, so you might already have it. Uh, I, I love Stanley Tucci and I love travel shows, and this is probably my favorite. Uh,
2: how to lose a guy in 10 days. Uh, is yeah. uh, another one that has the se at the end of lose and then a. Um, so that's that's a decent film, I think, worth uh, worth checking out. So I wanted to mention that one. Um, did you have any more, John? North Sea
3: Hijack from 1980. This is a British action film. Never heard of this. With Roger Moore in I think between, you're
4: just making stuff up now.
3: In, in between <laughs> James Bond movies, Roger Moore did a movie called North Sea Hijack, where this group of like British commandos. Have to board a oil rig that's been hijacked by terrorists, and it's a it's a good little like uh, low mid budget actioner done in like the dry kind of slow paced style of of British cinema, and I don't know, it's it's good for like a lazy afternoon if you're. If you're it a sounds
4: dad. so much like a Bond film. I wonder if people went well, in and wait it kind of does.
3: It kind of does. Bond. Like yeah, it, it really does feel like that. And there's some good action sequences, and there's even better like plotting and and procedural stuff where they figure out how to do it. Uh, Also uh, James Mason and Anthony Perkins, who I both love are in this. Um, But yeah, it's one of those movies. Not a lot of people have logged it on letterbox. I don't think it's popular. I did not expect anything when I saw it and I really loved it.
2: Uh, And then the only other one I had was sea biscuit, which I enjoyed uh, for what it was, the horse race movie. So probably worth mentioning that here as well. Uh, John, John, any final ones? Sea of
3: love with Al Pacino is a good romance mystery Detective movie. There
4: you go. No one has seen that movie. (laughs) This this one has seventeen
3: thousand watches on on Letterbox. That one's all lies. Everybody just
2: lying. Nobody's actually seen that movie.
3: I I do appreciate though that of like the nine movies I mentioned today, you haven't seen eight of them. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that's great. That is great. Yeah, north Sea Hijack only has two thousand watches. That one is definitely a very under the radar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, there you go. Uh, those are our quote-unquote C movies uh, for the best ever challenge. All right, let's kick it. Let's uh, finish it off with some buried treasure, guys. What's that one thing in any area of culture that you want to make sure uh, people know your opinions on? Um, I will kick us off because I teased it a little bit, but I did go and see Where the Crawdads Sing, which is the other kind of somewhat big release uh, this weekend, and um, I will say this is going to man I had a decent time watching this movie but it is very paint by numbers so like there definitely if you want to watch it lower your expectations go in just to see an interesting story um, I know there's source material that a lot of people are you know um, interested in have looked at have read um, but I liked what I I really liked what this movie was saying about humanity, about relationships. Um, so, yeah, I think this this story is interesting on its own, if not a little bit paint by numbers, but also uh, takes turns that you might find interesting too. So, um, so yeah, where the crawdads sing, I think is worth a watch.
3: This is based off a, a novel, right? Yes. Yeah, I one? believe
2: so. So I
3: don't, I don't know what books are. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it is looking at looking at this one at Letterbox. Though I see it. it already has twice as many views as North Sea Hijack, and it's only been out a couple days. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it, it came <laughs> out
2: yesterday. So there you go. Nice.
3: Yeah,
2: uh Andrew. What about you? What's your buried treasure?
4: I'm gonna go with a new show on Apple TV Plus called Blackbird. Mm, stars I'm Taren, about this Oh boy, uh it stars Taryn edgerton Paul Walter Hauser, Greg Kinnear, and the late Ray Liotta.
3: You had me at taran
4: Yeah. Okay. So this is pretty much the basic premise of this is, uh, this is a true story, by the way, a prisoner by the name Jimmy Keene, uh, get is, he has 10 years left on his sentence and the feds come up to him and they say, Hey, we will let you out right now. If you will be transferred to this other prison and try to coerce a confession out of this serial killer estuaries, hidden like 12 bodies. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this place this takes place at the Springfield FedMed Maximum Security Prison. Oh, Springfield. Interesting. Yep, where we Which live. Springfield. Yep, it's in like it's oh, behind my Missouri. house. Springfield. Yeah, yeah, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Yeah, it's behind my house. I can't see it because of trees, but I live. That close to the Springfield Fed Med Prison. Well, you're not um, saying they
2: shot there. You're saying the story happened there, and the Pakes story place. happened
4: there. But I think some of, like the uh, the like a uh, exteriors, the drone. Yeah, the mm-hmm. exterior shots are of Springfield Fed Med. Hmm. Um, every,
3: that they shot in New Orleans, whatever that's worth. Okay. Oh, well, exterior, some of the, the exterior is usually local.
4: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because like a lot of people don't realize how big of a prison. Uh, Fed, Springfield FedMed is. Mm-hmm. That's where all the mafia guys, they sent them to die. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, John Gotti died there. Um, I actually knew the guy who was John Gotti's doctor whenever he was in, because uh, he just passed away like in 2002. But yeah, all the mob guys, that's where they sent them to die pretty much. It's a, it's a pretty crazy show. Uh, Taryn Edgerton is. Charming and charismatic as all get, and Paul Walter Hauser, I love the guy. The guy continues to just put out amazing performances. I loved him in Richard Jewell. I thought he was stellar as Richard Jewell. He plays the the serial killer in this show, and he is haunting, hauntingly ter- terrifying. And then you have, uh, unfortunately, the the late Ray Liotta, who plays Taryn Edgerton's father in this. Giving a great performance of like tr- being scared for his son who's in prison. And uh, yeah, the uh, Greg Kinnear is the cop. I mean, everybody is perfectly cast. There are three episodes out right now. I
3: just saw the ad for this like five days ago saying new yeah. Apple Plus show.
4: Yeah. And uh, uh, Sapita Moafi is uh, the other main lead in this. She's incredible. I can't recommend this show enough. So glad I picked it up, and it was a surprise that it is set uh, less than like two blocks from well, you my said house. It's
2: a, a true story. Did the true story happen here as well? Yeah. Okay.
4: Uh, the whole thing happened at Springfield FedMed. Med. There you go. Uh, so that makes sense. Go. I don't
2: know but, why they I, would I have said it mentioned. there otherwise. But,
4: <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a big prison, so it, it they could use it as like name recognition or anything, but. Uh, I looked it up, but yeah, I guess it did t- take place at Springfield, I uh,
3: Maybe you mentioned this and I missed it. When does it take place? How, how long? This
4: ago? took place in I think right around uh, the start of the new millennia. So it was like right around like ninety eight, ninety nine. Cool. In two thousands, so I, I love or a good
3: time. crime drama, especially limited series. You can kind of flesh them out a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably wait till it's all done and then pick up all six episodes. That sounds like a good idea.
4: Yeah. Because the the prison that this Jimmy Keene guy who is Taron Edgerton, he's in before is like this, because he's a super, super wealthy guy. So he was in this super nice prison, but he was going to be there for 10 years. And they're like, hey, we'll let you out now, but you got to be transferred over to this horrible, horrible prison, like an incredibly dangerous prison. And if you don't pull it off, you're stuck there. We're not going to transfer you back. So it's risk everything and get out soon, possibly, or stay here for 10 years. It's really, really good show so far.
2: Nice. Um, That is Blackbird on Apple TV plus.
3: All right. Finish finish this off. John, what do you got? Uh, My pick is another old film. I've dropped a few old ones um, and you might not have heard of this one either, but it's 1964's Failsafe fail safe by the director of 12 angry men, Cindy Lamette. Uh, This star is Henry Fonda and Walter Matthau. This is one of those uh, post-Cuban missile crisis uh, uh, nuclear uh, thrillers, for lack of a better word. So there's a lot of like old white men sitting in a couple different rooms, talking on telephones, trying to avert uh, World War III. And um, Henry Fonda plays the president. He has to make some exceptionally tough decisions when an American bomber group go off course and get uh, inadvertent orders to bomb Moscow. And then the Americans and the Soviets have to scramble to stop this fighter group before they drop their payload and, you know, send us down, uh, you know, dystopian hell of World War III and bomb their city. Then they'll have to bomb our cities in retaliation. And the entire movie is just like this political gamesmanship, talking to the Soviet premier and trying to figure out, hey, look, no, this is an accident. I promise you this is an accident. I'm going to help you shoot down our fighters as a gesture of goodwill. And if that doesn't work, so there's just a lot of that really interesting, fascinating political maneuvering. And it really is just like Henry Fonda and like five other guys talking on phones, looking at maps, making decisions, but it is so suspenseful. And this is like edge of your seat stuff. And I think if you dig Sydney's work on 12 angry men and I, I yeah. don't suspect anyone doesn't, uh, this is like equally captivating, uh, in a completely different way and in a way that's very scary. Cause it's like, Oh shoot, this, this looked like it could really happen. And that is frightening. <laughs> Uh, this yeah. is a great, great two-hour film.
4: You had me at Henry Fonda and Sidney Lumet <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, 12 Men is, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, it's brilliant.
3: one of the best movies of the entire decade of the 50s for sure. This came out seven years later. Okay. Um, big, big recommend for Failsafe. This, I walked into it going, okay, this is a really cool premise. Someone is accidentally going to start World War III. How do they stop it? From If the fighter pilots won't respond to their calls, how do, they, how do they stop this and avert it? And that premise is just extrapolated to the absolute worst possibles. So everything keeps going wrong, and it's like, now what? Now what are they going to do? And, uh, yeah, this is a great movie with a fantastic ending, and it is worth seeing for sure. Failsafe.
4: So was this uh, – I guess it was not originally a play. I don't think so, but it certainly could
3: have been. It it takes place in like three or four locations, uh, and it really is only like maybe there's a lot of background guys, but like three or four main players that get a bulk of the dialogue.
2: Hmm. Okay.
4: Nice. Oh, I know what I'm watching today.
2: Uh, Failsafe is only streaming on Fubu. Uh, No, Fubo. You can actually
4: watch
3: it on uh, Tubi for free. Uh, I love okay. TV because there a lot of old movies you can't see anywhere else. All right. Tubi, so, Tubi uh,
2: TV. Uh, or Fubo, uh, it is also available for rent or purchase at at all the major uh, digital retailers. Uh, Blackbird is on Apple TV Plus, and Where the Crawdads Sing is in the theaters. Well, that'll do it. We did a podcast, guys. Congratulations Woo! to Ronald and you. all. We have uh, captured the podcast monster and yes. made it. Our own.
3: I always when, whenever you get to the last pun, I'm like, wait, what did we talk about today? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, CB's, like 90 minutes ago.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, after buried treasure and best ever challenges, it's hard to remember like everything that we actually did talk about. Oh yeah, it was a South Park episode. That's
2: huh. right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show.
4: Thanks, Phil. Uh,
2: Thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us today. Uh, John, where do you want people to uh, find you online?
3: Uh, well, you can catch me every month on this little podcast called Sif Pop, where I talk <laughs> with uh, my friend Andrew Aaron about movies. Uh, I would recommend it, whatever your podcasts Absolutely. are sold.
2: I like that. Thank you. Shaytha. I don't yeah. really
3: have a lot else going on. I'll, I'll have, <laughs> to thanks, have to check that one out. me busy, fellas.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and thank you, our Sif Pop members, uh, for keeping us busy. We appreciate your support at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Support starts at 3 bucks a month. Different uh, perks at different levels. Uh, one of them includes a, uh, a podcast feed just for you, ad-free podcast feed with bonus episodes. Find out more about that at Patreon.com/sifpop. Lots of ways to help us out by connecting. You can leave a comment, a rating, or a review wherever you listen, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. You can also email us at feedback@sifpop.com. At that is feedback@sifpop.com. Uh, if you want to send us an email. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than somehow staying relevant for a quarter of a century. Uh, We will be back next week with Nope um, and probably more. So we will see you then.
4: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. At Parker, our purpose is
0: simple.